following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. everybody welcome to another session here at the kick pie dojo i'm your host slash sensei tj williams giving you the insider of my martial arts journey discussing and analyzing certain martial arts based subjects and highlighting martial arts past present and future okay so today i got a guest um on my show of course um uh andrea uh, harkins called all the way from tucson um arizona of course uh, she have, has a lot of capabilities of course martial arts um Martial arts background, uh, podcaster, uh, author. I mean, you definitely have a lot, a lot of things on your plate. So, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, wonderful. Man, I was finishing doing a black belt test. I mean, well, I wasn't doing the black belt test. I was grading. So, definitely, it's always great to really see these some um, young people make it up to black belt. It's just amazing. Yeah, that's exciting. All right. So, uh, of course. Uh, for people who know you, that you definitely um, have to listen to this podcast. But for those who don't, who's tuning in, of course, me and Andrea is going to go back in time. Well, definitely, let's just say we're going to get in a, like in a time machine, like a DeLorean style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. 88 miles per hour, flux capacitor, and then 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. <laughs> all right, so... All right, the first, all right, the first question I ask you, let's, let's just go back in time. Um... Describe yourself before you go into martial arts. Okay. Before I went to martial arts, I had graduated from college. I was newly married before I began martial arts. So I didn't begin martial arts until I was in my mid-20s. Okay. And the only reason I began was because my husband wanted us to do it together. Uh, So we got married in 1988. Okay. In 1989, we decided to take martial arts. I didn't, I didn't really have an interest in it. I went because he wanted to go. And But as a person before martial arts, as a woman who was not a martial artist, I really didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't really ever put forth 100% effort. I was, always felt like I was average or ordinary. And so that's who I was. I just felt like I blended in with everybody else, and I was just a normal, average woman. Yeah, so, of course, you didn't have no athletic um, background. You didn't take any sports or nothing? No, I really didn't ever take sports, or I didn't ever consider myself athletic in any way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's usually what every martial artist, you know, you either don't have a um, sports background or not, but you still do martial arts and it's kind of builds you up from there. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what happened to me. I realized after a little bit of time, hey, I'm a little bit athletic anyway. I'm, I'm doing things I never did before and I'm, I'm kind of good at it and I had good flexibility and good focus and things I never realized that I had. That was really exciting. 
yeah, I say for me, before I joined the martial arts, I say, um, of course, I suffer from um, a, a, um, how we say, it? attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, man. But I was really like, I can't say athletic, but I definitely was the person that was um, moving around. And then from there, I had to use it um, towards martial arts. And then from there, I did sports, like when I started doing martial arts. Yeah, okay. yeah so. Yeah, and for a lot of people to do that, martial arts really helped them in the sports. Like my sons played basketball and, and especially football. When they played football, I would look on the field when they were practicing and I saw, hey, they're doing a lot of the same stuff that we're doing in martial arts for warm-ups. So, so they were kind of ahead of the game because they were, my sons were learning martial arts with us and doing all that. And then on the football field, they were already kind of in shape and able to do a lot of these exercises. So it really, it helps you in martial arts and it helps you in life. There's, there's a lot of parallels with the things that you do learn martial arts. Uh, right, so what style did you study when you started out? sound like you started off with a hybrid style because i know when i started of course um i'm associated with chuck norris so he this style is um a hybrid so is that like toward the chuck norris system or it was a different style no no it wasn't toward it, it was actually a style created by the main instructor of the program so the program was in a rec center it was called kinney karate and it was started by uh grandmaster michael kinney who's um since passed away, but he was a young guy and he was creating these programs throughout the city recreation centers. And we started with him and then we progressed. My husband and I did it together. We progressed and around Greenbelt, we started doing some like preliminary teaching since we were already adults and mature and able to help teach. We, we did that. And then as we progressed, we continued to teach and we took over some of the programs and taught those. And so it was really an exciting time and it lasted for a long, long time. And then my husband and I eventually began our own program and utilized the same type of program that we learned from, from them. So it's a hybrid, but the difficulty with that kind of program is, and we, we got up to second degree black belts. But the problem is if you move away, or you're not there, there's no other program really like it. Yep. And you can't really progress beyond that for that style unless you're there. So that was kind of a little hurdle. And um, so what we did was we just began teaching and we ended up just teaching our own programs for many, many years based on that system. Yeah, that's kind of the same way with me with um the Chuck Norris system. You know, I've been doing it for like over 25 years and uh, yet not been haven't gone to any other style in the mean 
we blend the other styles into our um, program. I mean, our basically our program is just evolving. It's like basically we're analyzing what happens in a real life situation and try to put yeah, bring it to our style and teach our students. Uh, and definitely black belt tests um, kind of changes once in a while. Oh, speaking of black belt tests, uh, can you describe your first black belt test? Was difficult, and 
I was just so happy that I was actually accomplishing things through through martial arts and earning rank and things yeah. like that. Well, definitely, black belt, that's definitely nerve-wracking. But definitely for our tests, it's like, other than knowing our materials, it's based on endurance. It's like, how much can you do when you're tired? I mean, usually, yeah, yeah, usually when we did this test some today, I mean, we only had one person test. I mean, I wish we had more so that person would get a lot of rest. But, um, of course, the one thing you don't want to do is get so tense that you lose your energy. You know, that's what I learned when I was testing. Of course, I don't have to test physically anymore because I'm going for my master's in like two years and I just got to do a performance and that's it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, like I said, every black belt test is different. Endurance was involved. I mean, we had sparring and mm-hmm. we had to continually spar and do different things, but it was not, it was not everything. Um, so I felt like I did have enough breaks and I felt like I People would be called up at different times. So you weren't up there the entire time sometimes. Um, but anyway, achieving black belt is a very important moment, and it's uh, very exciting because it's sort of that culmination of everything you work for all that time. And when you finally get it, you and I both know that really that's just the beginning. Yeah. But for some people, they, think they view it as an end point, but it's, it's not. No. Very exciting times. Yeah, definitely exciting times. I mean, I can think of like my, my first degree after the test. I got the biggest cramp in the world. Stepping out of the car, I wasn't thinking about it, and then just woo, I got the biggest cramp. Yeah, I guess that's like a scar almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Should have drunk enough water yeah. or something, or get potassium. <laughs> uh, all right. Other than be- becoming a black belt, what would say your best moment is like? Other than like testing or maybe teaching like what would, what would be your best best moment yeah well this is another story i have stories and highlights in my mind from my times as a, as a martial art instructor the one the other the biggest high point i guess that stood out for me was when my husband and i began teaching martial arts after we received our first degree black belt we decided to go on our own and start to teach our own program based on the program we learned but um, we began our own, but we we didn't want to just start anywhere. We wanted to, to do to accomplish a few things. We wanted to be in a situation where we could be better martial art instructors, like learn a lot about teaching. We wanted to do something for the community, and we wanted to just continually improve ourselves. So we decided to start this program at a community center in the middle of a very low-income, crime-driven type neighborhood. And we thought, well, we'll do this for like a year. We'll get this experience under our belt. We'll learn how to teach better our own students, create our own program, and make a difference in the community. So we began, and we were there. And what we thought was going to be a year turned into seven years where we taught for free. We gave them uniforms. We knew their families. We did everything uh, for free. And it was just a great experience. And two of the students, their caregiver was their grandfather. Grandfather passed away unexpectedly. And... Well, and the older brother came, he, he was a young teenager, young 
young man, uh, he came to us and he said, you know, will you adopt me and my sister? I was like, wow. Um, I don't know. He said, you know, he said, I don't know if anybody's going to come and take care of us after this. So we actually, my husband and I actually talked about it and we were going to do that. But uh, fortunately, I guess for them, they're like an aunt or something came forward from another state and she, she adopted them and took them into another state and never saw them again. But, you know, maybe three years ago, the brother, Paul, he reached out to me after 20 something years and said, you know, Hey, I'm, you know, do you remember me? He said, of course I remember you. I almost adopted you. (laughs) So I think that's one of the biggest highlights it just shows how much of a difference you can make as an instructor in people's lives. And that's, that's one of my biggest like accomplishment type things. That's not a material accomplishment, like writing a book or getting an award or something. It was to me, that's what it was all about. Yeah, definitely. Usually the best people to probably aim for is people that are, that you see are in trouble. And it's like, Usually you go, of course, you say you had to go to a neighborhood where the crimes are, you know, and definitely there's a lot of troubled kids and you want to at least reach out to them. And, you know, you don't want to worry about their problems. You want to worry about teaching them what you know and inspire them to get better and not worry about their troubles. So that's really good that you reached out. They don't defend themselves because, you know, when there's an area of crime and even, you know, domestic violence, they needed to know that they could house if they had to. Mm. So. Yeah, I wish I had my um my instructor adopt me. I mean, not that I'm getting in trouble. I mean, if some, like say some like my family or my mother died or something that she couldn't take care of me, I mean, I would have him take care of me. I consider him my my cry dad. I always call him that. Really, I always yeah. like give him like a shout out to like on Facebook saying this is my cry dad. <laughs> yeah, because we yeah, had like great yeah. adventures. Yes, yeah, there's always great to have great adventures with instructors. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so do you, do you do any um, competitions or do you ever um, attend any um, expos or conventions? No, I actually, I don't. I've never been a competitor uh, and I never had any interest in it. And that might be because I started in my mid-20s. I really didn't feel like I had anything to prove to anybody or yeah. even to myself. So I really didn't have it with no background in sports. Like we talked about, I really didn't have that competitive nature. So I've never competed. Um, and I, I don't feel like I missed anything out. It was just not that important to me. Uh, I know some styles say, well, you're not a martial artist. If you've never competed. I think, you know, everybody's a martial artist who practices a martial art. So to me, it doesn't matter your style or if you compete, but you practice a martial art, you're dedicated and committed to it. That's that's all you need to do. I feel like competitions are a little outside the traditional practice. I mean, it's important to compete if that's important to you. And if that's important to your school, and that's the type of school that you're in, then by all means. But I taught martial arts on a part-time level. I taught, we, we taught like five classes a week in the evenings, but I worked a full-time job. I didn't, even as an instructor, I really never had my students compete. It was just something I couldn't do with time, time-wise. Yeah, I mean, 
I've competed for a couple of times. You know, I went to a couple of competitions like from my hometown. You know, I didn't win anything. Um, of course, I got like three trophies and the, everything. I just wanted to at least get that experience. You know, I wasn't trying to be a world. I wasn't trying to be a world champion. I mean, I feel like um, being in competition kind of feel like um, kind of uh, let's just say kind of increase my performance. I want to be like a better performer, like other than just martial arts, like everything else out in the world. Like, well, of course, I do fitness, fitness. So I feel like that could like be a booster for my fitness um, teaching. And, you know, I'm like a wild man when it comes to fitness. I, uh, you, you've heard of um, Liz Mills Body Combat? Oh, have you taken any classes? No. Oh man, it's it's just wonderful. I mean, of course, I went from actually taking one of those classes to actually being a List Mills body combat instructor, and then from there, I'm just a, a complete show. You know, everybody wanted to come to my class. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah, really, and definitely that's a good thing about being a fitness instructor. You're stuck. I mean, you don't have no excuse of not going to the gym. <laughs> All right. So, what was your inspiration um, or push toward being an author as well as a, co- a podcaster? Um, I'm also a blogger, so I yeah. have a blog uh, and a podcast. And my my push was that I've always wanted to be a writer. Since I was a young girl, I really was always inspired to write. In fact, I used to write love songs and play my guitar, and I've always written nice poetry, and I always wanted to be a writer, but I just never, again, felt like I was good enough, and when I went to college, I had sort of a guidance counselor type person, but we didn't quite get along, you know, I was probably partying a little too much, and she didn't like that, and so, (laughs) um, we didn't really get along, but she told me, she goes, you know, you're just, you're not good enough to write books, you're not a good enough writer. And I let that negative thing sit with me for a long, long time, um, 40 years before I decided to write my first book. And it was martial art related. It's called The Martial Arts Woman. Um, and it's women who share their stories about being martial arts, martial artists and how they've overcome obstacles in their lives. But So my inspiration was always just within. I just always wanted to be a writer. And I always feel like I have to write things down. I'm always getting ideas and thoughts and, oh, I should write about that. You know, somebody, that can help somebody. And and so I'm always writing anyway. So my inspiration is just, I always wanted to do that. Yeah, so that's the great thing about being a podcaster. I mean, for me, I feel like I'm a podcaster because I want to get myself out there because I don't talk as much because my ADHD you know, I'm always stepping away from the crowd, but with this, I feel like this could be a booster. You know, of course, I'm reaching out to you and other martial artists really discussing. I kind of call this, um, well, there was another um, writer that I um, interviewed a couple weeks ago, um, Tori Eldridge. I don't know if you know her, but yeah, she also is an author too. And yeah, me and her had the discussion. She kind of called this geeking out. So you're talking about martial arts, life. That's the power of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. The podcasting, I mean, I, I never really wanted to be a podcaster. I was, I, I'm on a lot of podcasts as a guest. And I was on one podcast, and it was a woman I knew, and it was not really about martial arts. It was about uh, just a current day, modern life, a 
as a woman, you know, the, the human spirit kind of thing. Mm. And, and it was that one that triggered me to think, you know, I should try doing this. And like everything, I didn't really know how to do it. I wasn't sure how to, you know, just the logistics or whatever. Would people want to be on it? And, and so I just did that first one. I just, winged, you know, just winged it. Just went on and asked questions of a friend of mine who's a martial artist. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So my inspiration there was really, I want, I'm a big advocate of women in martial arts. Not to say I don't want everybody to take martial arts. I just feel like women have a stronger need for it sometimes. Self-defense and that kind of thing. So I wanted to have a platform where women could tell their stories uh, about being a martial artist, about their lives, about what they're doing, and that's how that all fell into place. So that one wasn't something I always wanted to do. It just kind of fell into place that way. And I, and I do enjoy it. I do feel very happy that I'm able to share stories that I feel like are rarely told. And that's how I got into my podcast. Yeah, I know um, for like last March, I kind of get a shout out to like women. I think it was International Women Months um, back in March. And I think I did like four women that I talked about that I feel like it really inspired me because, you know, usually they're dangerous and definitely they're inspiring. And, you know, I always get a sh- I have to always give shout out to the women out there and really especially the ones that I train with and I see in my organization when I go to the convention, which which those are fun. I mean, of course, we go over every year, do our like our seminars. You know, I always like seeing people, and see that's why I like the conventions. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's why I call geeking out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what other styles inspire you that you wanted to try but never got a chance to try it? I mean, I'm trying to get more into weapons. You know, I'm definitely a killer with bow staff. I mean, of course, for my last test, I had to do a bow form, the created bow form. But luckily, it wasn't like any traditional form. It was just like just swinging the bow around. It's like something that you see in competition. And also, yeah. other than yeah, also chuck, uh, chuck, uh, nunchucks. And I also try to get myself to do tafas, which I actually performed yeah. over the summer. And of course, I got third place in the competition. But it's real good to actually, yeah. it's actually good to do different weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm. All right. So, of course, I got, got a glimpse of your show on Friday. Uh, what was it? The Buzz? What was it? The, what the was Java it? Buzz. Java yeah, Buzz. That's another podcast that I do. 
And the Java Buzz is basically three martial art friends, well martial artists, who love to drink coffee. <laughs> and so the show is about a little bit about coffee, a little bit about martial arts, a lot about inspiration and motivation. So we always, we each choose a motivational poster or phrase, and we each talk about it. So there's a lot of sort of inspiring stories shared and motivation and try to inspire other people to be the best they can be. And then we also show flashback Friday picks, which can be humorous. I'll show pictures of me as a kid or I'll show pictures when I began martial arts or with my own family, just different things. It's really just meant to be a nice inspirational show where people can go and listen or maybe type in their Definitely, I caught it. I definitely caught it at time because you know I was sitting there at work and there's no work coming in, and of course uh, I was watching a little bit. And of course, thanks for the shout out, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So. I try to do that. I try to you know do a shout out for people who are listening, or I know you're going to be doing a podcast. My co-host Jane, she just started a new podcast. I'm going to be on that tomorrow. So there's always a lot going on and. Nice to connect with people there. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. That's a great thing about my organization of, of the Chuck Norris organization. We call it UFAF, the United Fighting Arts Federation. And the key word there is you unite, united. It's like we're not fighting against each other. We're just we're getting together as a community, like being a, almost a family, just sharing our experience and our expertise. So that's the great thing about this organization, damn man. So I love it. That's great. I think that's, I think that's what podcasts help do. Also, is, is unite us and bring us together and give us different perspectives. We're not all the same. We don't all learn the same styles, and yet there's a martial art mindset or a martial art spirit that I think we all have, and that's a good thing for us to all share and be united about. Uh, do you get any famous people, by the way? Like you, if you were to do your podcast, do you think you want to get one famous person on your show? Oh, uh, I I really haven't had any famous people. I the, the difference with this podcast, well, Ronda Rousey's mother, who's a you know judo expert, she was on the show. Ooh. Um. So she talked about her background, uh, and then she talked about Ronda as well, but. The thing about my show, because there are so many shows out there that only want the famous people, right? Yeah. They only want, I don't know, whoever the famous person is out there at the time or somebody that everybody knows. But my show, I want to highlight the women who are kind of forgotten about, the ones who don't have a voice because they're not famous and they're not, they don't necessarily own a school or have thousands of students or whatever it is they are just martial art women and yet when you hear their stories you're like wow none of them are just ordinary none is just average a lot of them have been abused in their lives a lot of them have overcome really traumatic situations and then they turn around and they they build rebuild themselves through martial arts usually they're really inspiring stories 
well-known martial artist. Um, Kathy Wong was on the show. Okay. Um, Karen Eden and Rosita De Jesus. And these are some of the women who are maybe known throughout the industry a little bit more. Um, but my goal really is to inspire the everyday martial art woman out there who doesn't realize how special and unique she is. And that's what works the best for me. So I don't have a particular favorite famous martial artist. Um, you know, Cynthia Rothrock, of course, would be fun to have. And I've yeah. invited her, but she, her schedule is just crazy. So, I, you know, that one hasn't necessarily panned out, but a lot of great guests anyway. Well, definitely, that's going to be my goal for 2022, is at least get one famous person, if it's possible. But, you know, of course, yeah. Well, it's possible. Yep. It's possible. Yeah. Well, even if the person is a professional wrestler, of course, any wrestler, I'm, that'd be nice. <laughs> hey. well, all you can do is ask. Keep asking. Yeah. And you'll, you'll get someone. Hey. So the last part of this um, interview, I, I like to call it the hidden dojo. So this is like a series of questions that I ask. So I want you to be able to ask, uh, answer them in your, the best of your ability. Hey. Okay. All right. So the first question is the best piece of advice you ever gotten just be yourself just be yourself because that, that that's the best advice because you know a lot of times in life you try to be like someone else or you you think you should be like someone else but you, you're not you're unique each of us is unique we need to just celebrate that so just be you that's the best advice i've ever got yeah so who said the advice Um, and I think, I mean, I would attribute probably part of that to my initial martial art instruction where it was like, you know, I'm like, I can't, I can't do that or whatever. Like, just be you and you'll figure it out, you know? And, and so I think it came from that. And, uh, you know, my husband is a big proponent of very positive person. And he's like, don't worry about it. Just do it. You know, that's, that's the thing that guides me a lot. Yeah, so I think I'm going to skip the second question. The second question would be the worst advice you got, but I know you never got any worse advice. I did. I mean, I, I have gotten bad advice. Um, maybe not martial art related, but, like, the instructor in college told me, you know, you're not really good enough to be a writer. It was bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good advice. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, yeah, but and, and when you do get bad advice, and you will, everybody does. Yep. Um, you know, when I first started promoting myself, and I still do post a lot of martial art kicks, and I would get advice all the time: your foot's not in the right position. You're not doing the kick right. I said, "Hey, look, this is not a tutorial. This is a picture meant to inspire people to remind them that they can do things that they don't think that they can do." There's a lot of bad advice out there, especially when you're prominent on social media. You're going to get a lot of negative things here and there. And, you know, you got to learn to brush off the bad advice, know, what it, know when it's bad, and just move on. Yeah, I know. I always give the, my students the pat in the back. You know, I give them that encouragement. You know, if I see them doing a kick incorrectly, I say, that's a good kick. And I, just, like, I tell them, like, this is, how, this is how you can tweak it a little bit so it could be even better. Hey, I kind of give them that encouragement. Right. I, I don't just like slam them down like that. That's just, like not good advice. Right. 
I mean, as an instructor. Yeah. All right. Third, next question. Uh, how would you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. Hmm. How would I award myself? Reward myself? Like you go out for, for martial arts or for like for what? Like say like you know how people you know you like to stay healthy, right? Pretty much. Right. Yeah, there's cause there's got to be sometimes you got to go out and like have a cheeseburger or something. Like really? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, my guilty pleasures are like sweets. So we got a huge piece of cheesecake and we split it and I had a nice cup of coffee with it. And, you know, that's a guilty pleasure for me. I really like sweets. Um, But I I like to, in between that, I try to work out, do everything I need to do to stay healthy. I think living in moderation is really the key for a good, healthy lifestyle. So, yeah, that's. Yeah, I've always say my guilty pleasures go to Las Vegas. I mean, I've been there eleven times so far. I mean, so far we I've been. Go there a lot. Yeah. We actually go there a lot because it's not far from Tucson. Oh yeah. And it's like an hour flight or something. So my husband and I do uh, go over to Vegas quite a bit, and we just do different things sometimes. I mean, we gamble a little, we sightsee, we just sit by the pool, whatever. Um, kind of, it's just a great getaway for us. So yeah, that's... been there too. Yeah, especially the heat. That doesn't bother me. That gives me energy. I'm good with energy. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't want to come up in Niagara Falls and start getting cold. I mean, it already snowed a little bit. So, I mean, I hate the snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. That's why I live in warm Yeah, you're lucky. And also, I'm breaking up leaves, too. <laughs> All right, so what famous movie would you want to be in? Like any type of movie. movies but I'm not and I do go to the movies don't have a favorite movie uh, or a favorite type movie um, I guess maybe just I don't know that I would want to actually be in a movie I, I can't really think I mean they, they actually had some filming here in Tucson for a movie that they're doing for HBO oh. so I did apply to be an extra for that it wasn't a martial art related thing but they needed extras. I applied for it. I never got called. But I think just something like that would be fun. Yeah. So you would probably wouldn't want to be in the action or a romance movie, probably. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd probably be in like one of those Rocky movies. I mean, yeah. I'll say Rocky Four because that's like the yeah. most one I've watched. And yeah, and I also went to like the um the director's cut. They had like a. A movie, um, yeah, they brought it to the movie theaters, like, for one night, and then, of course, uh, of course, you have Sylvester Stallone doing this interview, like, it was, like, a 30-minute, um, interview, and then we get, went on to the movie, and I say, it's, it's not, there's nothing different, I mean, other than the added scenes, and they kind of cut yeah. other scenes out, but it's always amazing to be in a Rocky movie, just, just fighting in the ring, to, like, being that person, 
being the heavyweight champion. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people ask me things like, what's your favorite martial art movie? And I don't watch martial art movies. Oh. I don't know if it's a girl thing. I don't know if it's a violence thing because, you know, a lot of martial art movies are, are very, you know, if there's a lot of fighting, to me that's a violent aspect to it. But yeah. I don't watch them. So I don't have a favorite martial art movie either. Yeah, that's okay. I mean... Uh, most martial arts don't watch martial arts movies. They just focus on because you know, a lot of people. That's a that's definitely a danger. Like people rely on martial arts movies to think that they, they can fight, but it's like it's just choreography. It's like if you're in a real yeah. fight, they're not gonna fight like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so hidden talent. Hidden talent. Uh, hidden talent. Well, I guess writing poetry. As a hidden talent, I mentioned it earlier. I have written poetry for a long time, and I've had three poems published in greeting cards in the past few years. So that was kind of neat. That stands out as a hidden talent for me, because I don't really talk about it a lot. I'm also writing a book of wedding vows and love poetry. Okay. Yeah. I can say my hidden talent is voice impersonation. It's like, I, okay. well, I could do like some, like James, James Earl Jones. I mean, that's like the one I can do very well. I mean, I could really fool somebody from like doing, I could just do a prank call if I wanted to and just do a point. Yeah. It's like Simba. Everything that like touches is our kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I get a crack that out of it. Talent. That is a hidden talent, yes. I, uh, let's see, I'm going to ask this one. Um, Dream celebrity encounter. Oh yeah, definitely. That's probably one person I would like to come back to life and then actually meet him and really probably get like a lesson from him. Yeah. yeah. That would be crazy. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because not just the martial arts, but you know, there's a lot of Bruce Lee quotes out there. If you ever look up motivational martial art quotes, there's so many <laughs> that he had that still inspire us today. So it was a mindset, it was a perspective, it was more than just the training. That's why I like that's why I like him. Yeah, so when you were mentioned that you were trying to break boards, did you um did that um message that um he says boards don't hit back and that definitely yeah. helped you break the board? <laughs> I didn't think of it then, but afterwards I had seen that quote and I thought that would have been perfect for that moment. <laughs> All right, so number seven. This one I ask um future plans in ten years. Where you see yourself in ten years? Um, I will definitely be retired in ten years. Yeah. Uh, maybe less. Yeah. So hopefully just enjoying life. Still doing that martial arts, maybe teaching again. I'm not teaching right now just because I moved to Tucson a few years ago and I haven't really gotten back into it. Um, but I love teaching kids. And I also like just teaching people martial art concepts. So maybe I'll be teaching older people things mm-hmm. um, and writing. I can see myself doing a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. That's where I'll, 
So before we kind of close off um, this um, podcast, um, is there any last final words you'd like to tell our listeners out there? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yep. I always appreciate the opportunity to share my insights and the things that I've learned over all these years. So thank you for that. And I would like to tell the listeners to, to never give up. Set your goals. Pursue your goals. Don't let fear get in your way. It's very easy to have fears of failure or fears that you can't do something. Try to change your mindset when those negative thoughts come in in your in your mind. I always say it's opposite day. Whatever negative thought comes in, you got to switch it right away to the opposite of what that is. And that would be my my main advice: find that way to be positive. Find the courage to push through and. Continually set new goals for yourself. Continually strive to be better. And don't seek perfection, but seek personal excellence. Ah, ah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. So definitely, I'm a, definitely, it's definitely a good talk. So definitely, I, and definitely also, I want to see if I can get your um, two hosts from the, um, the, uh, the Java Buzz on the show. Yeah. So I don't know how their schedules are, but definitely, it'd be nice to have them on the show too. Yeah. yeah, they're really great. They're really great. So, and Jane can talk about her new podcast and, and all the things she does. Um, and Rustita is a wonderful uh, martial artist with so much experience in different styles and Tai Chi, and uh, she's just really neat too. So, uh, I'm sure you can reach out to them, or right. I can reach out for you. Yeah. All right. So, everybody, we're going to do this closing. Um, so, thank you, um, Andrea, for joining me. All right. So, for those who are tuning into the episode or tuning into the podcast, make sure you tune into um, my previous podcast that are shows that are on BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the Kickpot Dojo. This is your sensei, TJ Williams, bowing you out. Mm-hmm.